The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your host, me, Patrick Lunn, and... Me, Rob Davis. We have an excellent episode for you guys today. We will be covering the penultimate chapters of Death Mass. No? No no hiss, Rob? Oh, I, I did hiss, but I was hissing in time, so it's like a harmony, harmonising it. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, um, <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm just not used to us being that professional. Uh, <laughs> I've been practising my harmonising skills, so... Oh, superb. <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> um, so yes, uh, we'll be talking about death masks uh, as well as... Um, uh, uh, what we've been reading recently and doing a, a little check-in on on Pat and Rob and their reading. Um, that's us. Um, so, yeah. What have you been reading recently, Rob? Oh, man. Like, it's been a tough few weeks where I think I explained a few episodes ago that I just keep picking stuff up, reading like a few chapters and then putting it down and finding something else to do with my life. Um I've I've decided to take a break from the Wheel of Time because it's so dense. Like it's really good, but there's just so much of it I can read before I'm like my head hurts. Um, that's fair. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a fun few days because I need to read American Psycho for Thursday. Um, so that'll be a larf. And I started a Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain a few days ago just because I've been wanting to read it for the last maybe two or three years and haven't. I feel like that's been on my, my radar for a little while, uh, Kitchen Confidential. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, so far I recommend it. Okay, how far are you into it? Not very. <laughs> like Probably about 50 pages in. Did you get uh, any further with our favourite YouTuber's uh, novella? No, I read the first chapter and then, fuck, what did I do? Because it, it came out like a few days before my birthday. So yes. I was just like doing all this other shit anyway. Um, I'd actually completely forgotten about it. So, yeah, I'll, uh, well, I'll get on that as soon as possible, really. Yeah, cool. Uh, and what's the title of that again? Uh, Breach of Peace. Cool. We are talking about Daniel uh, Green's book, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, Daniel yeah, Green's cool. book. Uh, I I realised that we were being a bit um uh <laughs> I don't know guarded about about it, which is just kind of weird. So yeah, it is just <laughs> Daniel Green's book, um Breach of Peace, um which is kind of a novella that he's then hoping to develop into a wider series, I believe. Yeah, I. I think he's plan or planning three or four novellas and then like the main book. I can't remember. But I mean, he talks about it all the time, so date, date, date. it won't be hard to find that information out. No, it will not. Um, yeah. Uh, have you been reading any comic books? Um, y yes and no. I started reading. I finally started reading. Uh, the X-Men, Powers of X, House of X, but I've still only read the first issue. Um, and that's because, like, I read the first issue and then I put, like, the graphic novel, like, 
on a book or somewhere on my bookshelf and i was like oh it's in view so i'll, I'll remember it's there and then i keep forgetting it's there so oh man yeah typical <laughs> typical me really that that is a classic rob move what will i do next <laughs> um cool yeah but but you're enjoying it so far so yeah yeah good. yeah so far so so good awesome um and uh have you got anything else upcoming that you're going to read either for academic or non-academic i mean probably um it's a weird one like i mean some people may have seen it on the I can't remember if I posted it on the Paranet Twitter the other day or not. I was meant to. But I've like Kerry has recently started rewatching Game of Thrones. And every mm. time that happens I wanna reread a, like the book series as well. Um But I just don't have the incentive to all the time amongst everything else in the world. Um Yeah, so I mean that series. Yeah, so I mean that's on my reading list again. And I just again I, I keep looking at it on the shelf, but the issue is that it's next to the Wheel of Time series on my shelf, so I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, I should start reading that again because it'd be good. But then I look at the Wheel of Time slightly to the left and I'm like, but maybe I should finish that first. <laughs> and then as That's a result, as a result, I just end up doing nothing. So ah, yes, the the classic choice dilemma. Ah, indeed. <laughs> I know it all too well, my friend. All <laughs> too well. Um, cool. Um, shall shall I show my reading recently? Uh, yeah. What have you been up to? What have you been reading? What's yeah. So, um, still continuing my never-ending uh run through the Horus Her- Heresy. I'm on the second set of short stories now, which I think is book. 17 um uh, and it's it's a lot of fun it is good um i'm really really enjoying it um then um alongside that i've been reading a, a few more comic books um i finished dark knight's death metal How was uh, last night at about 4am in the morning uh, <laughs> um yeah you know what it's um it's the big finale to uh scott yeah scott snyder's run i, I always worry about mixing up scott and Zack snyder um we've all been there or at least yeah we have. <laughs> uh it's the big finale to uh scott snyder's run on justice league um and kind of ties up all the stuff with um the uh doomsday clock stuff the um dark knights metal stuff uh and stuff that has been going on since like rebirth in new 52 and um it kind of it does that thing that dc do every five minutes and hard resets the universe yeah um, it's the illusion of change my friend oh man it really is but um it's it, it is a particularly good one there's some great callbacks to stuff going all the way back to like really old crises uh, a long, long time ago. 
uh, like Infinite Crisis, Identity Crisis, Final Crisis, all that. Um, there's some some just really cool moments. Um, at the same time, I I found it wasn't as um, I didn't feel like the stakes were as high as they were in Dark Knight's Metal. Um, yeah. And I think that that's because like the the final kind of parts of it, everyone's working at like god level, like power levels, and it just feels like everyone can pull whatever they need out of their asses whenever mm. they need it. Um, so it's like I I'm going to destroy this star, thereby destroying three galaxies, <laughs> and then someone's like, yes, but then I can hide the galaxies up my bum, and you'll never be able to reach them. And then someone else, it's just like, uh, it, it gets a bit um, maddening, I suppose. Uh, that being said, um, there's some really, really cool moments. Um, I think if you're a DC fan and you've been following like Scott Snyder's run and stuff, you'll get a lot out of it, definitely. Nice. I mean, it's it's something I'll probably check out at some point, but I was very... Not disappointed. I was a bit underwhelmed by Dark Knight's Metal. Okay, that's fair. I think um, the last like big DC thing that really wowed me was um, Heroes in Crisis. Yeah. The uh, Tom... Tom King. Tom King one, yeah. How did you find that? Um, I need to reread it to be honest, because I read it all in one go and was just kind of like it's it, it wasn't what I expected, and I think for that I was kind of a bit let down by it, I suppose. But all right, I I don't know, like I think I was only disappointed because it wasn't what I expected. Whereas if I think if I reread it, I'll probably enjoy it a hell of a lot more. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's. Where Tom Scott, it's not Tom Scott. I'm just thinking of the YouTuber. Uh, it, it's where Tom King really shines uh, and stands out. Is like subverting expectations and playing around with that. Um, yeah. I think he's he's quite good at that. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe if you're a little less like I don't know, rocked by it, uh, <laughs> um, you might. Uh, you might enjoy it on a reread. I also feel like there's there's a lot in there that's like cool callbacks and stuff uh, yeah. to the history of the characters, and uh, that's quite fun. Um, apart from that, uh, reading wise, um, uh, has mostly been D and D stuff. Um, we're still carrying on with our campaign. Uh, I'm also doing some reading of the Dresden Files RPG books. Uh, for our soon-to-start um, Dresden Files campaign on this channel, Patreons only. Uh, we are so looking forward to welcoming some of our other friends to the channel uh, to get stuck into some incredible Dresden-like questing. Uh, we've already done our little like uh, teaser, um, and I think we'll be doing character creation very soon. So if you want access to that... Um, Jump onto our, our Patreon, uh, uh, patreon.com slash podcast, all one word, I believe. 
yes, that, that is correct. <laughs> it's so funny that like uh, we're still we're still learning uh, what we what we are, who we are. Um, <laughs> um, yes, it is patreon.com uh, slash planet podcast all on word um we uh, yeah uh, head over there we've already got a couple of patrons uh and we're having a ball on the discord actually uh chatting about all the all dresden files theories uh we have spoiler channels we have non-spoiler channels so no matter where you are in the series you can find what's right for you um yeah and uh and uh have some fun um I think that's about it, really. Oh, I finished Falcon and the Winter Soldier recently. How you... less of a book. I was going to say, how did you find it? I've I've still got two episodes to watch. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a very very easy mark, uh, for this. Um, and uh, gosh, I was extremely happy when we saw Falcon, uh, suiting up, uh, in the last episode as, mm. um in his new suit uh won't ruin what that looks like or what it is uh but very very cool um and yeah uh, i found it really emotional uh especially there's a there's a particular scene in, in a museum that i found quite emotional uh that i really enjoyed um that being said i've seen some pretty bad reviews going around uh i think i think ign gave it gave the finale a five out of ten which for IGN's rating is particularly low because um, they mm. they normally dole out sevens and eights pretty uh, regularly. Um, but yeah, I I personally I think they stuck landing. I think it was good. I don't think it was as thought provoking as One Division, uh, but I don't think it was trying to be either. So yeah, fair play. Um, cool, 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 cool. Uh, shall we just? Should we just dive into Death Masks? I think yeah. we might just dive into Death Masks. It's probably a good idea. I mean, that's that's why we're here. Death Masks. Um, cool. So, uh, this is part of our Justin Files book club. Uh, mine and Rob's attempt to ramble through the entirety of every Justin Files board game, comic book, video game, media article. Um, <laughs> Short story, stuff, uh, stuff, all the stuff, um, and of course the novels uh, in chronological order, um, picking out all of the juicy bits uh, to talk about uh, with your lovely selves. Uh, we are in the final chapters of Death Mass, uh, and where we would normally do. Uh, four chapters an episode for these last two chapters because we had five chapters left. We've split it into uh, a three and a two. So uh, today we'll be doing uh, last time on Dresden Files, which will be covering last week's four chapters. Then this week on Dresden Files, which will be this week's three chapters. Then next week we'll be doing last time on Dresden Files with this week's three chapters. And this time on Dresden Files with the final two chapters. I think that makes sense. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, uh, last time on the Dresden Files, uh, we had the infamous 
chapter 25 of Death Masks, where uh, things get steamy in Harry's apartment and uh, um, all, all the things happen. Um, and uh, we have several quotes with big capital letters saying we can never read this on air. Um, but uh, part of it is that Harry and Susan confess their love to each other. Um, which is quite nice, quite nice. Um, uh, then that takes us to chapter 26, uh, where uh, it's the next day, uh, the morning after kind of thing. Uh, Harry and Susan talk shop for a bit. Um, Harry explains that uh, the bindings that he used on her in uh, chapter 25 were made from unicorn hair given to him by Fix from the previous book. Uh, the now winter, no, the now summer night, apologies. Um, we learn that Susan went to the carpenters after leaving the gala and found Shiro and begged for his help. Uh, she also left Anna Valmont at the carpenters' household. Uh, apparently Michael is still in St. Louis, I believe it is, with um, Sanya, uh, where they are on nightly business. Uh, Harry suits up and puts on his squall jacket, which is that uh, weird half jacket um, I think we established. Um, they also both agree that nothing that happened in Chapter 25 changes what's going on and that Susan will still have to leave um, and head down to Mexico. Uh, that takes us to Chapter 27. Um, Harry and Susan head to the carpenters and meet up with Father Fortill, who is looking after... Uh, the Carpenter Children and Anna Valmont. Uh, Dresden threatens Anna Valmont with the police if she won't help him. She agrees to help and says she just needs to use the bathroom. Uh, Dresden heads out into the yard towards Fort Hill, who is being a complete himbo and soaring some shit. Um, Fort Hill reveals that Nicodemus is bonded with Anduriel, one of the lieutenants of Satan. Satan. We also learn about Lashiel, the temptress, the coin that Nicodemus wanted to offer to Harry. Uh, Fortil suggests that Harry should go check on Anna Valmont, as he does. Uh, Dresden notices that he's been played, and that Anna was going to the bathroom, but it was a bathroom with a window, and a window that led to Harry's own car, the Blue Beetle. He sees it streaking away in the driveway. Uh, Harry goes back to talk to Fortil and sees that he has an Eye of Foth tattoo. Harry asks about it and Fortil says it's something him and the other priests got after dealing with the supernatural when he was in seminary school. Harry realises the importance of the Eye, which Father Vincent doesn't have, even though he should, and decides it's time to do something about that. As he does, Michael and Sonia pull up in the driveway and Harry basically like... It's like, it's go time. And they're all like, fuck yeah! Um, then uh, we get to chapter 28. Uh, Harry, Michael and Sonia attack Father Vincent, who is revealed at gunpoint to be a sneaky, sneaky denarian. Saluriel, the wielder of the coin, Quintus Cassius. My name is Quintus Cassius. Are you not entertained? Uh, <laughs> killed the real Father Vincent and replaced him. Quintus relinquishes the coin and sarcastically begs for mercy from the knights. He promises he will never ever hurt anyone ever again if they help him. 
the knights reveal uh, that they can't intervene now that he has begged for mercy. We learn that Sonya was once a denarian, as there is a short uh, argument between Harry and the knights, and Sonya explains that he was once given mercy. Uh, the knights then leave uh, just before Dresden goes all Tarantino on um, uh, Quintus Cassius, breaks his knees and several other bones, and then gives him a single quarter and tells him to crawl across the motel car park uh, to call for an ambulance. Quintus tells Harry that Nicodemus was going to meet him at the airport at 8pm. Uh, Harry, Michael and Sanya have a little bit of a laugh over the suffering of Quintus, which maybe isn't the most knightly thing to do, but man, the guy's just a dick. He's just a dick. Uh, uh, even even Michael laughs at his suffering, uh, and then they get ready to, to head out. Uh, and that takes over to these chapters. Rob, take it away. We have... Um... Yeah, chapter 29, we have another appearance from Murphy, who, it's a bit weird, because she's barely been in this book. I know she was barely in um, the third book, Grave Peril, but I don't know, for like, because of such a major character, it's it's weird to hear that she just kind of pops up every now and then, and it's just like, hey, just so you know, uh, the police are after you, so uh, yeah, just thought I'd tell you. and that's very much her appearance here is she's warning harry that the police are investigating him and they're you know they want to bring him in for questioning him because you know uh they he was caught fleeing the scene a few chapters ago and you know dead bodies pile up and all that kind of shit which is never fun yes um susan then arrives and Harry and her hop into the limo and head towards, I can't remember the name of the venue and I didn't write it down, uh, wherever they're meant to be having the duel with Count Ortega. It's um, uh, Wrig- Wrigley Field? Wrigley yeah, Field? That's, that's the one. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and also, Susan also takes Shiro's place here as the Battle of Wills begins. And when we say Battle of Wills, we mean like willpower, not Will, and there's two of them. Will Smith versus Will I Am. Yeah. Uh, the Battle the of Wills. The, <laughs> the clash of the nineties versus the noughties. Oh man, I shouldn't find that as funny as I do. Um, yeah. So, arriving at the battleground, Ortega admits that you know, his his only goal is to kill Harry, and that. Everything that he promised previously, like, oh, if you give yourself up, do this, do that, then we won't murder your friends horribly. It, that that all turns out to be bullshit. So, yeah, Harry kind of, um, I should probably mention, the, the duel is going on at this point, and it's, um, it's called Mordite, but I can't remember what it is. It's like a material that's of, it's it's not of this world. It's Yeah, the way they talk about it, it's like from another dimension, which I took it to mean from the nether nether, but I'm not sure that's the case. No, it sounded too... I don't know. Because I, I feel if it was from the nether nether, then I don't, like one of them might have heard of it, I guess. Yeah, it's like really out there, weird 
stuff. I guess is the way that I yeah. it's talked about. Uh, my my understanding is that Mordite kills you upon like touching it, which isn't great. Yeah. Um, and basically the the, the duel is them pushing this Mordite towards each other using their willpower. And at at the start of the duel, Ortega has the upper hand. And when he admits the whole, you know, he's only here to kill Harry, whatever means necessary, uh, his promises of peace and all that kind of shit were all lies. Uh, this kind of causes Harry to get really pissed off, which is pretty understandable. And then Harry starts gaining the upper hand and Ortega is left showing fear. Um, he also brings up all of like the people in Harry's life that he'll injure if he kills Harry. Yeah. Um, which is like the biggest mistake when you're fighting Harry Dresden. Like he lists everyone from Susan right down to Father Fort Hill, the Knights of the Cross, and even the Alphas. Oh, and Murphy, yeah. of course. How could I forget? Um, <laughs> yeah, as as Harry starts gaining the upper hand, it, it's revealed that Ortega is pulling a bit of a sneaky here. And he's got, like, a gun kind of hidden. Um, yeah, like, it, have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico? I have. Like, Johnny Depp's character in that, this is how I imagine it, where, like, Johnny Depp's character has, like, two arms on the table, but then, like, the camera zooms out and he's wearing like a fake arm like on his like attached to his shoulder i guess so it looks like he's got two arms on the tail but his like left arm is like under the table holding a gun yeah i can see that it's pretty much that is what i imagined but without the table obviously um yeah he kind of like reveals that he's carrying a piece and harry's like son of a bitch and then we end the chapter Chapter 30 begins as Ortega's being a smug little asshole about it. And then, like, Harry sees, like, a laser sight appear on, like, Ortega. And, like, suddenly he's just shot multiple times. And then, like, the the gun that he's carrying is then revealed to, like, everyone. that Everyone sees that he's been carrying this gun. And, And despite being wounded, Harry still pushes the Mordite towards him. And he annoyingly manages to move out of the way just in time because he's still got, you know, red court vampire speed. Um, yeah, Ortega attacks Harry. Susan joins the fight. And then, like, the fucking field is just swarmed by, like, red court vampires joining in the attack. And this is probably a very underrated fight scene because I complete. I mean, I'm basing this purely on the fact that I forgot about it. Um, and like all these vampires just start bursting into flame and it turns out it's Kincaid who's doing his job in protecting Ivy but he's got like he's got these modified shotguns and it's got like all this hellfire attached to it which is a one use only thing for a shotgun if I remember right but it basically just sends like a massive like ball of flame at the vampires it's yeah it's like super duper incendiary rounds yeah, it's it's so badass. Um, and then, like, a red court vampire just fucking runs up to Harry and, like, sprays red court venom in his face, which I, I really wish they made more of a bigger deal out of this moment because we have that scene of him very early on in the books coming up with a uh, 
vaccine wasn't the right word, was it? An antidote, I suppose, for the yeah, uh, red or venom. I think it is like an antidote, yeah. Yeah. And it offers protection anyway, however you yeah. want to put it. And it just feels like it should have played a much bigger part in this, whereas, like, as in people being like, wow, how'd you do that? Um, yeah. But it just feels like it's kind of brushed off a bit. But, like, this vampire, like, full-on spits in his face, and Harry's just, like, gross, and then shoots him with a flight of fuego. Um, <clears throat> fuego! Fuego! Uh, Thomas Rafe, like, joins in the fight as well. I, I probably should have mentioned he's at the duel because he's, you know, Ortega's second. And he, he starts, like, stabbing vampires as well because he's Thomas Rafe. Um, and all the while he's doing this, he's ordering Harry to get out. And Harry's like, I'll, I'll be fine, dude. Go help Susan. Um, and yeah, the, the battle ends thanks to Ivy, who starts using the Mordite to destroy several of the Red Court. And, oh man, like, because I don't remember her doing this at all. Like, she fucking ends everyone. And then yeah. she's just there being like, oh, we... I've, I've decided that, like, you wouldn't be caught cheating or anything because Blair. And therefore, the duel is now over. And then her and Kincaid just fuck off back to wherever they're from. Um, and then, like, Martin pops up at the scene and it's revealed that he's the one who shot Ortega. Um, and there's this strong hint that he's he doesn't want the war to end. He was sent here... I think he was... I'm trying to remember it now. He was sent to make sure Harry didn't die, but was also... His main mission was to make sure that Ortega dies instead. But, I mean, yeah. he failed at that because Ortega managed to get away. But, hey, hey-ho. It is what it is. Um, Harry leaves Susan like in his hands and Martin promises to take care of her and to depart back for South America and Harry fucks off and makes his way to the airport which is you know all fun and games and then chapter 31 we're reunited with the big three Harry, Michael and Sanya as they prepare for their showdown with Nicodemus um on arriving at the airport, they realise it's a fucking airport. There are going to be loads of civilians. Um, Realising that you know, Nicodemus would happily use civilians and take hostages, uh, they opt to like get in touch with Murphy and have Murphy call in a bomb threat uh, to the airport, which does, does what it needs to do. It, it gets all the civilians evacuated. Um... Traversing the airport, they come across a few goons here and there who all get kind of like twatted. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and the trio eventually stumble upon Shiro, who is beaten to a bloody pulp and has been horribly t tortured. And we're talking like fucking like broken fingers and all this kind of shit. It's it, it's pretty grim. Um, and is. yeah, they they kind of like straighten his body out a bit. And, like, Harry has the sword that Shiro, you know, gave to him before, like, during his sacrifice. And he lays the sword behind him in that kind of, you know, warrior's death kind of thing. And at this moment, he he just starts coughing and regains consciousness. And they're instantly like, oh, shit, 
you're fucking alive. That we we need to get you to a hospital now. And he's like, no, my friends, no. I, I there's nothing that can be done for me now. Um, and he's explaining that Nicodemus, like with the noose, it has like this power to use a death curse, uh, the the Barabbas curse, I think it's pronounced. Um, Barabbas. Yeah, thank you. And like this curse. Once a target is chosen, like the person who's been infected with this curse will not be able to avoid death. And it, it turns out that Nicodemus had used it on Harry, which is what the whole entropy curse thing was and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. But Shiro being a knight of the cross was able to take his place, which, I mean, th- I understood it as... Only a knight of the cross can kind of sacrifice themselves in this circumstance. Is that correct? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I think you had to have some understanding of how it all like fits together, and I think that's that's what Shiro's got. I guess. Yeah, fair enough. But in Shiro's last moments, he he gives the sword Fidelacius to Harry, and he tells him, "Hold on to it." until the right po- person comes along. Um, yeah, he, he he follows this up by saying that Nicodemus is afraid of Harry um, and that his backup plan, now that the airport's been basically shut down, is to spread the plague using the train system. And at this point, Shiro passes away. Like, he's he's gone now. He's dead. Um, dead. Dead and there's no, sure. there's no time to really mourn here, as Harry and the Knights then head to the airfield, and ugh, man, it's so fucking cool. Harry like uses his, am- his amulet and he casts like this bright beacon of blue light, and this helicopter just arrives out of like the middle of piss bomb nowhere, and they just casually jump. You know, I, I was always told never as a kid never get in a stranger's helicopter and they just fucking do that and oh man it's like it's rule one you tell your kids yeah helicopters are no good no they are like, no it's, good it's happened all the time in my local area like people just getting in random helicopters you know um yeah like in this helicopter is none other than Marcone, who greets them and suggests they form and an alliance to get the Shroud back. And that, my friends, is where we wrap up those chapters. Man. Some big, big climactic moments here to talk about. Holy shit. Um, I mean, I had a ball with these chapters. Um, Same really really incredible knocked it out of the park from Jim's perspective I think um, where, what was your favourite moment from it all oh man I still think that probably the duel of wills is my one of my favourite moments purely because like it's more entertaining than I remember and I remember when I first read this all those years ago it was very much a case of like you're dueling a red court vampire. How do you sort things out that you're not just gonna get destroyed instantly? 
Because yeah. like in a, in like a physical fight, fist fight, swords, fucking pistols at dawn kind of thing, there's no real way that I see him like Harry coming out alive. And the same with like spell casting. He's I think he said earlier in the book that when it comes to spell casting and all that stuff, Ortega's been around centuries. So if he's if he is trained in magic, then he's probably more competent than Harry. Um so I feel like mm-hmm. the willpower thing was a really it was a good and unique approach to it. And man Yeah. Like ugh. I really liked the like the taunting from Ortega and how that like supercharges Harry instead of demoralizing him. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing and I just remembered like I mean I've got it on the notes as well that Ortega cheats and it kind of goes back to Thomas warning Harry at the uh, at McAnally's that Ortega will cheat. But there there's a scene just before the duel starts which just made me laugh and it's um. Oh man, like Thomas fucking appearing like to this event wearing like a you know, his usual thing of like a half unbuttoned shirt, but the shirt's made out of like fish net or something. And yeah. like <laughs> he just walks up to Ortega and is like all proper like stoner man about it and just like, Hey man, you want a bevy? And just like holds him out a drink and just the description of Ortega just fucking slapping it out of his hands and being like, No. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, Thomas is a great character because um, he is obviously like he obviously does care, but part of the way he's able to operate is by continuing this kind of like persona. Um, mm. it it reminds me a little bit of like Captain Jack Sparrow kind of thing. Yeah, I can get behind that. The whole like um. I guess like idiot savant is a sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, one other thing I really liked about uh, Thomas was that uh, we find out at the end of the duel that he's been working with the with Martin. Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot to mention that in. There's like a bit where Harry's like Thomas clicks his pen or something, and then Martin appears. Yeah. Um. And I thought that's cool because again, it shows it shows that Thomas is trying to find ways to help, and especially to take help take down the Red Court. Um, partly out of he explains that it's it's out of like paying back for um, the events of uh, Great Peril. Great Peril. Yeah, I was just thinking. I was like, book three. Yeah. Um, but uh, also partly because he likes Harry and doesn't want Harry to get murdered, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think at this point it's more about uh, revenge, but um, helping Harry is just like a nice byproduct of it. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, the duel, I think, is kind of is kind of the highlight. Um. And that little battle after it where the Red Court attacks. Um, oh, man. I, I freaking loved... Um, so Kincaid has, like, a... He's got, like, a golf bag filled with shotguns where you normally have, like, different golf clubs. Um, 
and he just stands like in the middle of this huge baseball field, just pulling shotguns out, firing huge blasts of fire, then chucking that shotgun away, and then taking another one out. Um, which is really funny. And then there's this, this great moment where like a couple of vampires get past him, uh, and he's like, "Yep, fair enough. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys get to have a go with Ivy." <laughs> and then Ivy's just like just uses this like ball of otherworldly energy to just kill everything it touches uh, and it's just described as like this bowling ball that just smashes through all these vampires and instantly kills them all um man it's wild it's absolutely wild um i think we also get a little description of thomas using his uh cookery yeah. uh blade uh, which might be the first time it's talked about it, but that's that's like Thomas's go-to weapon. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, what did you think of the stuff with Martin and Susan? Um, eh, like I I quite liked it this time round because I. I didn't remember the whole involvement of um you know Martin and Thomas being a, a bit in cahoots. Yeah. But I liked I mean obviously I've read changes a, a lot more recently than this. So I know where their characters are going. But um it's I know with with, with that in mind I found it more interesting this time round that Martin doesn't like the whole thing of him not wanting the war to end, it's kind of got a bit more meaning to it, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he even talks in this one about how he's like, um, he'd rather just uh, the wizards kill the vampires instead of them coming to some sort of peace. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, a bit of a dick move, but... Um, I guess they are kind of at war, so that's you get dicks at war. Yep, that's um, the whole point, I suppose. <laughs> um, so then that takes us to um, so we talked about the implication that Thomas uh, tipped off Martin. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's much more to say about the Duel of Wills, just that um. It's hella cool, and uh, Will is something that we talk about. Um, it gets talked about a lot more in later books. Mm. Um, and I thought it was cool that it's kind of brought up here that everyone has some degree of uh, will to control stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just that like when, when we get to beings in later books that have a lot of ability to control stuff with Will, uh, they obviously have a lot more willpower, I guess. Absolutely. Um, cool. Uh, so then, yeah, we get to uh, the airport. Um, I, I I do agree it was a bit weird that Murphy just kind of drops in and drops out on this one. Yeah, I, think... I mean, I, I kind of get it, but not really. Like, I mean, at least in the third book, she wasn't in it much because she was a bit indisposed. Mm. Whereas I think not having a 
but having it up and running and then just kind of check in every five chapters just to be like oh by the way blur just it i know it, it just feels a bit odd the only thing i would say is that um i think there's a lot of characters here and maybe it was just an effort to keep her in but not like have her fill up too much space yeah i mean definitely I it's it's kind of that mcu scenario where like I don't know, like like after the first Avengers film came out, the audience were asking it like with every film that came afterwards, like Iron Man, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Why didn't Iron Man show up? Like that kind of thing. And yeah. you you get it now with the Falcon and Winter Soldier, where people are like, Peter Parker only lives like a few blocks away. What the fuck's he doing? Um, yeah, it, it's that kind of question. So it's like it would be weirder if. If like the police investigation was going on with Harry and stuff like that, but Murphy was wasn't mentioned at all. Mm. Whereas at least if she's popping up, it shows that one she's there, but she's also uh, she has a life outside of the Harry Dresden show. Yeah, exactly, and um, I think it's also another way of like cutting off some of Harry's resources of her being like, I'm I'm not on this case. I can't make things easier for you mm. from that that end. Uh, at least not until the uh, right at the end where Harry needs her. Um, but it just it just reduces a little bit of the help that he's had in past books to up the stakes, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, so the airport gets cleared out, and then yeah, we get Shiro's death, uh, which. Um, it's it's it is quite sad, uh, and I think it's quite well done, to be honest. Um, I would also say uh, I I don't know if it falls a little bit into like the the Yoda trope of like the death of the master kind of thing, hmm. um, but I I I felt it was done well enough, and it's quite an emotional moment, and it's really interesting that it. Um, it affects Harry a lot more than it does the knights. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's something I like about, and I thought this the first time I read the book as well, is, and we, to be fair, I think we said it last episode or the episode before, where for a character that's only in one book, like, it's impressive the impact this has first time, especially when he's not, you know, if he, if he was a character that had been there since book one, or even like the previous book, you'd still have that time with the character and there's a bit more uh, of an attachment, I suppose. Whereas yeah. the impact for a character that's only been around since chapter three or four of this book, it's, it's pretty spectacular. I think seeing the knights react to it is really good as well. Like I can't remember Michael's reaction, but what stuck with me was um, Sonya's, where like, he comes in after he's talked after Shira's talked to Harry and Michael, and he walks in and is kind of like he he doesn't drop his sword, but it's that kind of feeling of he's surprised to see you know his friend and mentor here in that kind of state and you know dying in his last moments. Yeah, and I I feel I feel just that one sentence or couple of lines with Sonya and Shiro probably hit me harder than the rest of the stuff in that scene. 
yeah, I think Michael particularly is just kind of like it's his time. Um, yeah, I mean that's Michael though. Michael's very stoic, I guess, compared to everyone else. Yeah, and I also get the feeling that he's probably been through this before. Yeah, definitely. To some degree. Uh, maybe whoever wielded Sonya's blade before Sonya. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah, I like that. Um, we see like the emotional effect it has on Dresden. Um, and even in the next couple of chapters, uh, as we get to them, we'll, we'll talk about it more. But um, we see that like the impact of Shiro's death is something that Dresden's going to have to deal with for a little while. Yeah. Um, and and I think yeah, like it's obviously something that Sonya's not as used to. Michael is, uh, and they all kind of process it in different ways, which is really interesting. Um, I don't think there's much else to really say about Shiro's death. He, it's cool. It's cool that he he uh, was able to protect Harry from with uh, from the Barabbas curse, um, and I love the way that like when. Uh, Harry and Michael get there and they're like, oh my god, Like he's had so many bones broken and he's so beaten and stuff. And Shiro's just like, what took you so long? Yeah, I, I love It's just that typical kind of action scene, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, I, I guess that takes us uh, right to the last part, which is uh, the chopper and Marcone. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about like Marcone being an ally in this one? I think I enjoyed it. It's, I feel like it's something that's been, it's been building up towards for a while. Like They're both men of principle. So an alliance is something that I feel was in the cards for a while. Like We've kind, we've kind of had it before with um, uh, Full Moon. Hmm where they kind of they're in that situation together being held hostage by the uh Hexen wolves I think and then they yeah. have to work together to kind of deal with that whereas it's 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 like that but much more badass it, it is um we get a bit more conversation between Harry and um Marcone in the next at the start of the next chapter so I don't want to go into it too much but um, I really do like the feeling that like things are so dire and desperate, and like Nicodemus is such a bad guy that uh, the only way to fight him is by ma- is by teaming up with people like Marcone. Hmm. Um, it's again, it's a good way to like up the stakes. It's like the uneasy alliance kind of feeling, I guess. Yeah. Um. I I mean. It, there's there's always parts of me that's like, how would have how would Marcone have known to go to the airstrip? Because Harry's just like he's a smart guy, he'll figure it out, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, and it's just a bit like, ooh, ooh, okay. Um, I mean, there's there's a little bit of like suspension of disbelief there, but I don't think it's anything that, um, I don't think it's anything too hard. No, I, I agree. It's not. It didn't. It wasn't. Meh. It didn't feel like the usual coincidence. 
yeah, I mean, we. I feel like Marcone, his like Dresden Files superpower almost is intelligence. So yeah. I can kind of, if if they ascribe his uh, actions to intelligence, I can kind of uh, let it go, to some yeah. degree. No, I agree. Uh, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really about all all I've got to say on these chapters. Is there anything that you want to throw in? Um, not really. There's nothing that I'd really add, to be honest. Fair enough. Uh, in which case, um, do we want to call it? Yeah, probably. Probably best. Um, yeah, as always, thank you for all the support. We've hit just over 5,200 downloads. So, nothing to uh, turn your nose up at. Um, whoop, whoop. Whoop. Uh, Patreon is now live. As as Pat said earlier in the show, uh patreon.com slash paranet podcast all one word and you'll find a nice a nice selection of tiers all of which have access to discord and uh early access to episodes as well so be sure to check that one out and hopefully we'll see you on there soon uh next week we'll be doing chapters 32 and 33 of death masks the the last two chapters and then we'll get on into book six i suppose as always, share, follow, subscribe. And yeah, you've been listening to the Paranet Podcast with your host, me, Rob Davis, and me, Patrick Lund. And we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.